believe that it is so accurate for the time that we are living in right now. Um, what's funny is the Bible talks about there will be wars and rumors of wars, but I think sometimes we only think of that as the outside of what we're going to see taking place from wars happening overseas and on land. But, but what about the war that's taking place for the bride of Christ? What about the war that's happening that there's contention for the affections and the love of the bride of Christ? And we began last Sunday talking about Pastor Dawn and I. Um, she's out of town right now taking care of her other daughter who just had surgery. Um, and um, we are praying for them. And I know she's probably watching in right now. I guarantee she's watching in unless something weird happened with her service. Um, but I know that she is a part of this. And we begin to speak to you about the bride wars. And how that there are two types of brides. There are two types of brides as the church. And that it's no coincidence that Jesus, um, he go ahead and coincides the church to the bride. He talks about it a lot, about how he is the bridegroom and that the church is the bride. And there's many different stories in the Bible that actually go to that, that reference the bride of Christ and how God is the bridegroom. And when we were talking about it, we were talking about how there are two types of brides. The first one is the passionate bride. There's the passionate bride. And what's funny is we didn't even talk to you about the first one last week. We kind of did it out of order. We like to do things like that. We keep you on your toes here. Well, we talked, we, we talked about how there's the passionate bride. And then the second one is the cold footed bride. The bride who has cold feet, the bride who has no circulation in her feet to pump the blood of Jesus Christ through the DNA and to share it without the world, the bride that backs out and is more consumed by her doubt and her fear and all the things of the world, the bride that consistently turns her head. And we spoke of Lot's wife and how Jesus Christ, after speaking of his church in the end times, he said, remember Lot's wife. And Lot's wife, you know, she was a bride. But she was a bride who turned her head on Jesus Christ and her groom and her family. She turned her head on the church and what was to be because she was more consumed with her affections of the world than she was with that of Jesus Christ. But today, I want to talk to you about the passionate bride. I want to talk to you about the other side of the bride and how the passionate bride has several different characteristics that... Um, Describe who she is and that these are attributes that we as people, we as the church, and uh, if you're in here today or if you serve Jesus Christ and you love him with all your heart, well, guess what? That makes you the bride. Yes, men, you are still the bride of Christ. It just does. You can look at that weird, and the only reason we look at it weird is because the world has perverted love and everything else that's gone on, so it puts an image in our mind of what God has really done and brought and um, tried to describe us as, and I think the reason he calls us the bride is because there is nothing like the love between a bride and a groom. There's nothing like that moment when you go to a wedding, and whether y'all men want to admit it or not, there's something about it when you go with your wife to a wedding and you see other people getting married and, and lovey-dovey, it just brings back those feelings for you. Now, you may act all cool inside and the girls, they're all crying, you know what I'm saying, because they just remember. But you remember the moment that you married your spouse and you remember that moment when your bride walked down that aisle and, and came to you and, and knew that that love, that, that was all that mattered. There's just something about the love between a bride and her groom. I 
I'm talking about the passionate bride. The passionate bride carries a strong and barely controllable emotion towards her groom. It's a zeal, fervor, and enthusiasm that compels her to action for her groom. The bride that has cold feet carries an apprehension of doubt for her groom. It's strong enough to prevent her from going through with a planned course of action. She's the one with torn emotions. But see, we're, we're going to talk about the passionate bride. Anybody feel like you are a passionate bride for Jesus Christ in this room? Well, if you're not, we're, we're, here, to, we're here to get your fire going again today for the Lord. We're here to, you know, because passion isn't just a woo word. Passion's like a yeah word. Don't you look at me crazy. Because I know anybody married in this room, raise your hands. Anybody married in this room or ever loved somebody, I'm talking about even a passion maybe for your children. Any mamas in this room, right? You got passion for your kiddos? Any dads in this room got a passion for your kiddos? Any, any family members? You know what I'm saying? A passion isn't just a word. It's a strong, it's an intense word. It's not a perverted word. I'm just telling you, the world has literally tried to pervert the love that we see and passion in this world so that we cannot see God clearly with the true eyes of love. God desires the passionate bride. But what does a passionate bride look like? What are her characteristics? A bride that is passionate has that intense conviction we talked about. A strong belief that nothing else exists. She has an intense and powerful feeling of enthusiasm towards her beloved. She's excited to talk about her lover. A passionate bride is one who allows the groom to have all of her and not just pieces. In the book of Song of Solomon, if you've ever read it, it's about Solomon and, and a bride. It's the Shulamite woman that is coming to marry um, him. And, and it's really a, a major intense love story in the Bible. And yes, it does talk about the love between a spouse and, and her lover and the groom. But it also is a great depiction of what the church is supposed to be like as the bridegroom beckons and calls for his bride. And as the bride wants to come to his, to his love and wants to compel herself to be towards that. But the, but the torment and the things that happen from the world around her that are trying to deafen out the love for Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's an amazing story. And in Song of Solomon, chapter 7, I want you to go with me there. We're going to just hit in here just for a second. Chapter 7, verses 11 through 12, it says, Come, my beloved, let us go out into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded. This is the bride. The title of this section is The Bride Gives Her Love. She says, and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The bride gives her love to the bridegroom in the field. The bridegroom follows where Jesus calls her. The bridegroom calls the bride, sorry, into the field and she gives her love to him there. 
And in chapter 8, verses 6 through 7, it says, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as fierce as the grave. It flashes, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. And many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his health, he would be utterly despised. I want to read this note to you of what it says in the, in the word. It says, jealousy here can be translated as passionately intense devotion. That is to say, it is a driving, consuming passion that controls the person. Its hold on a person is as inflexible as the grave. It's a place from which no one can escape. Is the love that you have for Lord, the Lord as inflexible as the grave? Or are you able to escape it whenever you want and come back to it when you need it? See, because when somebody dies, nobody has the power to resurrect it but Jesus Christ. So let me tell you something. Have you literally, I'm not talking about locked it up and trapped it in, but have you protected the love that you have for the Lord like the grave, like nothing else can raise it but Jesus Christ? Nothing else can raise the love that's within you but, but Jesus Christ and what he has for you. See, she's declaring that the bridegroom has her all at this moment. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, in the Passion Translation, it says it like this. Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. And today, I'm going to talk about the three key characteristics that are in this scripture that we as a bride of Christ should be exerting in our lives and exemplifying. Number one, if you're taking notes, like Pastor Brandon says, notes are going to get you to heaven. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I know that they're good for you and they're good to remember. Anything that I ever took down as notes, even in school, I remembered better than just reading and being like, oh, okay, it's no big deal. Number one, passion of the heart. Passion of the heart is constant regard, constant regard for and dedication to. Constant regard for and dedication to. I want to ask you a question today. Do you hold God in high regard? Do you hold him in high regard? Do you value his opinion and his word? Are you attentive to his desires for you or your own? Because let me tell you what, to regard somebody means that you value their opinion, you value and are attentive to them, you pay attention to what's going on, you aren't just like, see too many times I think the reason we have a hard time focusing on God is because we can't even focus on our spouses or our children next to us because we're doing this the whole time we're talking. What, what'd you say? Yeah, hold on just a minute. What? We can't even sit next to each other without this in our hands anymore to watch a movie. I remember when we held hands, not phones. Right? I'm just saying, when I was dating Brandon, I wasn't worried about holding my phone. I wanted to hold his hand. I wanted to be close to him. 
I wanted to be near him. I don't want anything else to get in the way. And what happens is it's so easy as we continue, you know, to go along the motion. You know, you there, you're still there, you're good. You know, I love you. You know, we're going to talk and we're going to communicate. But as I'm talking to you, I can't give you eye contact. And I can't be attentive to you because, man, scrolling on Facebook, you know, it's so much better than looking at your lover in the eye. Or your children or your friends or your family. You know, because it's just a whole lot easier because this is so much more interesting than you. We wonder why we don't hold God in high regard is because we don't even hold any relationship in high regard because we don't value anybody else's opinion but our own. It's really easy to value your own opinion because if anybody else doesn't agree with what you say, then you know, you're all right. I'm good. Do you regard his word? Do you crave this more than you get up in the morning and scroll this first? Do you want to be a part of who he is? Do you value it, his opinion, which means his desires and his direction and where he has leading you? What do you desire more in your life? Or let me tell you something. You can say, well, I have my Bible on my phone. Well, do you actually read it or do you scroll and then get to it and maybe read one scripture so that you can get your little point on your verse of the day and for your day, for the daily word. So it says, I've read my word for this many days. Really? Because your life doesn't show it. And I'm just going to be honest. There have been many times I've missed my daily marks on here because I've spent more time right here. And I'm not saying that it's better or you don't, but if you can't focus when you're on this, then get you an old-fashioned Bible and sit down and open it and read for a minute. What's funny is Pastor Brandon and I were, last Monday we went through our garage and we actually decided to, um, we're probably the reason it snowed because we went ahead and set up all our Christmas stuff. <laughs> but... Um, I, I, I'm excited for this year, um, for Christmas and what, and what's happening and just the time and my children are at certain ages and I, I just want to enjoy that with them. Well, we set up our Christmas items, but first, as we went out there, you know, all the Christmas totes were buried like it felt a thousand different totes. So we had to pull every single one of them out and I began going through old totes Well, we started looking through old pictures of things like when we were dating and growing up and baby books. And what was cool is my kids are old enough now to understand all that. So they were like looking through it with us and I was comparing baby photos like of the kids and I'm like, Vea, you freakishly look a lot like me. You know, it's like really weird, except you're just a lot taller than I am. So um, it, it's, it's cool though. I've been this size since seventh grade, no big deal to me. Um, but what's crazy as we were going through it, uh, I think one of the kids picked up something, and they were like, what's this? And I opened it, and I was like, you can't read this. And they were like, why? I was like, because these are love letters from your dad to me that I have saved. Everybody get out of this tote. <laughs> and they were like, why, Mom, why? And I said, not that it was anything. It was just sharing. Those were mine. That was personal to me. And as we began going through them, I, I value, Brandon knows, I'm just going to tell on myself, one year for Valentine's Day, he bought me this really pretty necklace, okay? But he also wrote me this amazing poem, had it framed and had it done. And like a year later, we we're moving, 
And we found the necklace somewhere stuffed in a drawer, but that poem was hung up on my wall for like ever. And the fact of it is, is that it wasn't that I didn't value the necklace, but I valued the words of my love. I valued the opinion that he had of me. And there are moments when I don't feel worthy that if I go back and read the words of my love, I can be encouraged and I feel better. And that's what this does. At the moment you don't feel worthy and you don't feel like you can complete things, you can go back to his word and he will always be the ultimate lover of your soul. What's crazy as we were looking through there, he found an envelope and, and he pulled something out and it was a key and it, and it had a crown at the top of it and it had um, a bunch of like diamond, they weren't real diamonds because I'm not an idiot like that to put like, just shove it away in the garage like that. But they, it had like, what, cubic zirconias or something like that in it, but it didn't matter. The point of it was, is that it was jeweled and he, he showed it to me and I looked at it and it had a card and he opened it and he handed it to me. And I remembered when I was reading it, and he remembered, definitely he remembered, but on our wedding day, I, I had had a word prophesied over me before we got married, and it was given to me, and it was called the bridal key. And that key was handed to me. And on our wedding day, I knew I was supposed to give that key to Brandon. And so before we got married, I had um, his mom take that card to him and in it has the bridal key and it was just telling them that he had the key to my heart every bit of it every part of me that no matter what it was and I I think that this scripture is trying to tell us God wants to hold the bridal key he wants the key to your heart he wants the key to who you are and the only way that the world can know that you are a part of who he is and the bride of Christ is when you act like it When you value God's input, you'll see it in your output. When you value God's input, you'll see it in your output. A bride's radiance truly comes from the love that is given to her by the groom. She realizes that without the bridegroom, she is simply playing dress up. Are you dressing up on a daily basis pretending that you're the bride of Christ? Because the true passionate bride dresses for the day. She puts on her armor. She wears the armor of God and puts it on and covers her head with the helmet of salvation. And she walks around knowing who she is and why she's here. You, as the bride of Christ, do you walk around knowing who you are and why you're here? Because a passionate bride would do so. She realizes that her value is found in the one and only love of her beloved. Our true value is found within the love of Christ. This is why the view of love from the world has lost its value because you can never really place a true value on something that is never real. Think about diamonds, right? You put a diamond and a cubic zirconia next to each other and they can shine right and do right, but only one of them has true value, right? Only one. That's just like saying I can put one Christian next to another Christian and only one of them shows the true value of the bride. There's no difference. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? And that what God is trying to say is you cannot put true value on something that's never real in the first place. If you don't give God your full heart, that means your relationship is only based on partial love. And you can never get full-time results out of part-time love. When we disregard the love of God, we disregard the true value of who we are. A true bride is dedicated to her groom. And this has two meanings. A, to be dedicated in one sense is to be committed, loyal, and supportive. Psalm 37, 5 through 6 in the NLT says it this way. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiant like the dawn. And the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Commit everything. Not just some things. Not just what you want at the moment. But everything. When we commit ourselves to God, it will be displayed in the purity of our lives. It says that your innocence will radiate like the dawn. Innocence is purity. It'll radiate. You ever seen a bride when she, she radiates innocence and purity and, and love? Radiate. And you, know, you ever been next? Anybody know the, the old radiators that used to be in the houses to heat? You ever got burned by one of them suckers when you walked by it? Yes. My grandmother had them in her home. You don't play hide and seek by the radiator. You're going you're gonna to have a scar. But a radiator, what does it do? It emits heat. It emits passion. If you're a radiator for Christ, you're going to emit passion. If you're a bride for Christ, you're going to emit the heat and the passion of Jesus Christ, which is light. Only light creates heat, right? Think about it. Does anything that's dark ever create heat? It, most of the time, anything that's held in the dark, it's cold and it's gloomy and it is not fun. And scary things hide in the dark. But in the reality, do scary things hide in the dark? Right here, things that scare you, that make you nervous to give the, the groom your all because, you know, what if he had to see it? It doesn't matter. It says commit everything, every piece and every bit of it because he is the only one who can make you pure. When we commit ourselves to God, it will be displayed in our purity of our lives and our ability to stand for what is right. A true bride displays herself in purity. Purity means uncontaminated. We went to dinner the other night on Friday night. We went out with a few people and we went to dinner and we were sitting there and I took a drink of water. And that water, I'm sorry, but it ruined my meal because it smelled like the toilet. Yes, thank you, Sam, it did. It smelled like the toilet. And the lemon that was put in it only felt like a urinal keg. I'm just telling you right now, it did not work. It was not good. Ain't nothing was going to, I was holding my nose drinking this water. Because I wasn't going to pay $3.99 for a tea. But I was looking at this water and all of a sudden, you know, Tyree gets all scientifical on it. 
And he's like, well, you know, when there's cloudy particles within the uh, <laughs> ice cubes. <laughs> and he's telling me all about it. And I'm like, Tyree, I don't care what it looked like. It tastes nasty. But in reality, was he correct? Because it was cloudy, dirty water. And the fact of it is, is when we as a bride don't care and we're contaminated, we only pour out cloudy, dirty water. And it's not good. It's not good. Spiritual purity comes from believing that Jesus Christ died for your sins to ransom you from impurity. Pure living increases as you spend more time with the bridegroom. It's his love defining you and who you are and what you do. But the other term for dedicated, to be dedicated also means to be set apart for a particular purpose. And I want to read to you Proverbs chapter 16, verses 2 through 3. And it says it this way. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And I read the note and it says this. See, I love reading the notes and understanding what I'm reading. Because I could just, you know, make an inference about whatever I wanted to. So it just felt good to me, so I didn't have to be accountable. It says, people are often blind to their own faults and their spiritual needs. They often feel that their motives and goals are right, but if we are honest, open, and ready to listen when we come to God in prayer, he will reveal the real condition of our hearts. Then we can receive forgiveness and correction and continue to serve God with a truly innocent heart. We will also be able to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance more effectively. We should not make plans or take action in a thoughtless, careless, or overly confident way that does not consider what God may desire in a situation. We should always look for God's plans and purposes. If our actions and motives are right, then we commit them to the Lord and be assured that he will accomplish what he wants through us. When we dedicate ourselves to God, we understand our need for him in everything we do. And God said this to me. He said, dedication is not manipulation. Dedication is not manipulation. Manipulation is any attempt to sway someone's emotions to get them to act or feel a certain way. You don't just dedicate yourself to God just to get what you want from him. And if so, your relationship is not based on love. It's based on manipulation. But you know what's funny? You cannot manipulate God. You may think you get by doing it in your own life and swaying the people you want using your tactics of trying, you know, they're like fear tactics. So you make somebody feel like they have to give you and give in to what you want so that it's your way or the highway. But dedication is not manipulation. You don't say, God, here's my life, only if you do this, this, and this. I'll serve you, God, if this. I'll serve you, God, if that. And if this and that doesn't work, then I don't give you all of me. Dedication is not manipulation. But purity drives dedication purity drives dedication and we have to understand that as the bride we bride if we are dedicated to him we serve him no matter 
what. And we understand that we're set apart for his purposes, not ours. Not what we want, but what he wants. And if anybody gave us the greatest example, it was Jesus Christ when he was in the garden. And he took the cup and he said, Lord, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, then take it from me. He said, but if not, not thy will, but yours be done. Talk about dedication. Talk about love. Talk about purity. Only when we fully give ourselves to him can we fully be fulfilled. Number two, energy of our being. Energy is the ability to do work. Can I get an amen? Energy is the ability to do work. Energy is the power or heat that is created when something moves, is burned, or is exerted. In Song of Solomon 8.6, she says, the very flame of the Lord. You know what's crazy? A true bride knows the energy it's going to take to keep the covenant that she's making. The true bride knows that it takes work. You don't just walk down the aisle thinking that it's going to be a fairy tale because if you did, you are sadly mistaken. Love is never a fairy tale. I'm sorry. I mean, you have fairy tale moments. That's right. But you got war moments too. And you have sad moments and discouraging moments. And then you have great moments. You know what I'm saying? War is not a fairy tale of just like everything is going to be wonderful and rainbows and daisies and unicorns and everybody's great and we're happy. And you know what I'm saying? It's like marshmallow fluff. That's not, love isn't like that. It's not how it works. And, and honestly, we have to go into marriage and love and, and love with Jesus Christ with eyes wide open that, hey, guess what? This is going to take work. It's going to take effort. It's going to take passion to keep my fire burning. Because there's a lot of things that are fighting for that affection and that attention. And if I don't work at it, guess what? It's going to go out. Deuteronomy 4, 23 through 24, I want to read it to you out of the message. And it says it this way. It says, so stay alert. Don't for a minute forget the covenant which God, your God, made with you. And don't take up with any carved in images, no forms of any kind. God, your God, issued clear commands on that. God, your God, is not to be trifled with. He's a consuming fire, a jealous God. It means that he has an intense passion for you. That not even death, hell, nor the grave steered him away from giving his life for you. Can't you just give him just the pieces of your heart? Just the moments of your day? I think he deserves it. You have to work at keeping your passion for God. What you put into your relationship with God is what you will get out of it. The energy of your passion comes from the depths of your soul. 
The bride of Christ knows that she has to protect her soul and is unashamed of her lover. The soul. The soul is the identity that makes you who you are. It's the seat of your memory. It's the seat of your feelings, your imagination, your convictions, your desires, and your affections. Your desire from God comes from the depth of the soul that's within you. Mark 8, 34 through 38 in the message says it this way. Calling the crowd, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? If any of you are embarrassed over me and the way I'm leading you, when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all the splendor of God, his Father, with an army of holy angels. I, I don't want to be embarrassed of God. I don't want to be the one he looks at and he's like, I'm embarrassed of you. Have you ever felt embarrassed? Right? Like, it doesn't feel good. It's awkward and it's weird. Right? Like, you feel like everybody's looking at you. I think the worst thing would be is to be a bride who's looked at an embarrassment because she didn't love the lover of her soul. How embarrassing will it be to come and sit before Jesus when he looks and he's like, you, you, mm, not you, because you are ashamed of me. And I'm sur sure Jesus may sell it, say it a lot more eloquently than me because I'm not Jesus. But I'm just saying that in his word, he says, if any of you are embarrassed over me and the way I'm leading you, when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all the splendor of God his Father with an army of holy angels. Are you a bride that's proud of your beloved, or do you hide your relationship with him? When we truly love God, we're not afraid to display it or share it, but we're not afraid to guard it. You're not afraid to protect when anything comes against the love. And I think sometimes as we feel like, oh, God, you got this. I'm going to bow out for a minute. <laughs> and God's saying, no, no, no. I chose you. I set you apart so others can see who you are. Don't be ashamed. You're supposed to stand for my name. You're supposed to stand for who I am. No wonder in Hosea that God uses him as an example to continue taking back the woman who cheats on him over and over because we are that woman. We cheat on God every day. You want to know why? With what you listen to, with the things you watch, with the things you speak, with the things you hear, with the things you read, with how you act, how you respond, what you dress in when you get up. We cheat on God every day. We take in lovers like it's no big deal.
Yet God says, I still love you. You're still my bride. Just, just come to me and be pure. I want you to be a passionate bride. And I'm telling you right now, today is a day where you can choose to be a passionate bride for Jesus Christ. You can choose to say no and declare war on the soul that is the very depth of you that is trying to be taken apart and torn apart for the world. You can tell him, not today, Satan. No. I'm not having it. And let me tell you what, when you give in, what do you do? You turn around, you ask God for forgiveness, and you say, uh-uh, I'm not giving in to that. I'm not giving my love and my affection to anything else but you. We're in the bride wars. And it's time we start taking time to realize that. It's time we start understanding where we are in it. Because when you truly love God, you're not afraid to display it because you understand that he's the most precious treasure that you have. And every part of your being, your energy is putting into protecting what you have right in here. The word of God says, guard your heart for out of it flows the wellsprings of life. What goes in comes out. And if God's in your input, then that's going to be your output. If the world is your input, then the world's going to be your output. Number three, every thought that is within you. So we have to give God the passion of our heart, the energy of our being, and every thought that is within us. Our minds, they'll always be the greatest battlefield. Right here is the greatest battle that you'll ever face in life. Most of the things that we go through, not too bad. But when circumstances come and hit you, it's what happens right here that makes the difference. Your mind is the greatest battlefield. And when we allow the enemy to infiltrate our thoughts, it tries to contaminate everything pure within us. A true bride has one target and one thing to focus on, and that's her groom. Like I said last week, when was the last time you went to a wedding and you saw a bride not focused on her groom coming down the aisle? It wasn't like she was just like, I'm here. I mean, I'm sure there are, are lots that probably are more TikTok and all that crud in the world that you've probably seen it. But I'm talking about a real wedding that you've actually gone to before. When was the last time you saw a bride looking for the door and said about her groom? That was the only thing that mattered. She is not around for the entertainment or pleasure of others. She's there for the groom. And we're in the bride wars. And it's time we start taking our thoughts as prisoners of war. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says it this way. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow to obedience 
in obedience to the anointed one. You don't have to bow to your thoughts. They should bow to the, G- to the Lord who's in you. It's time you start taking prisoners of war in your mind of the thoughts that just keep wham, wham, wham. Uh, sorry, you're in jail. I don't have to deal with that. I'm not talking to you right now today. We're not, we're not happening. Who told you you could get out? We locked you up and threw away the key. You don't have room here. God said this. He said, a mind focused on Christ creates a heart devoted to Christ. A mind that's focused on him will be a heart that's devoted to him. We have to quit fantasizing what our relationship with God should be like. To fantasize is to imagine something unrealistic and improbable. It's setting false expectations. How many of you can say when you first gave your heart to the Lord, you had some false expectations of what your your relationship with Christ probably should have been like, right? Don't lie. I'm going to be honest. Because we have this fantasy, just like every little girl does before she, you know, we, you see these movies and these shows of little girls playing dress up in the bride's dress and that everything's wonderful and works out perfect. And we have this fantasy that when we give our life to Jesus Christ, that everything's wonderful and nothing's hard work, that it's going to just be perfect. And I, I'm going to tell you something. We live in a sinful world. We live in a world that has been infiltrated by sin and we have to every day die to that flesh that tries to get us to partake as a part of that world to be a part of that and work at being pure. And honestly, we will never be perfected until Jesus Christ comes. So forget that. You won't be perfect, so quit aiming for it. But he didn't ask you to be perfect. He's just asking you to be present. Just be present. Be present with him every day. It's time we trade fantasy for the true love of God. Fantasy fails, but God's love never does. A true bride is the one who tells the enemy that there is no room for you here. A true bride declares war on anything that sets itself up against the love she has for her groom. And I'm going to tell you this thing, and you need to remember it. You... Why don't you say it this way? I, wow, that was lame. I love y'all. But I, there we go, do not have to be a victim to my thoughts. I'm not the prisoner. I'm not the prisoner. And let me tell you what, if you are a prisoner of your thoughts, you put yourself there. You put yourself in the cell. You allowed it. Instead of kicking them out and saying, uh-uh, this is your place. My, my place is at the king's palace. I don't live in the dungeon. I don't live here. And I'm not going to be beat up by my thoughts. I don't have to be a prisoner. Because let me tell you what, prisoners of war are not taken care of. And they are not loved. And they are not well treated. And most of the time, most generally, they are killed. And let me tell you what, your thoughts that are captivating you are killing your spirit. And when you look in the mirror, the only thing you can ask is, who's beating who up? 
Who's doing that? Who's beating you up? Don't be a victim to this right here. You don't have to be. A true bride keeps herself in check. This is so important as the bride of Christ. And I have a question. What do people see flowing out of you? What do people see flowing out of you? What comes out? Because if what you see is what you get, would anyone get Jesus from you? If what you see is what you get, would they get Jesus from who you are? We have to check our thoughts and our talk. And I thought about this. What are you allowing on your love boat with Christ? What are you allowing on your love boat with Christ? And I want to read something to you. To listen to our vocabulary, think about it this way, to listen to our vocabulary, you think we are victims of our thoughts. Don't talk to me, we say. I'm in a bad mood. As if a mood were a place to which we were assigned. If I call you and you're like, I'm in a bad mood, uh, where you at, Bosnia? Where, where you at? I mean, where's bad mood? Because, uh, I mean, all you got to do is get on a flight and hop over just get out of it. You know, we, we assign our place to a, to a mood. You know what I'm saying? Like we were like, that was given our assignment. Okay, okay, Jen, today from God, you know, he, you know you're a soldier in my war and I'm going to assign you to be in the crappiest mood ever. And you just stay there for today because that's your assignment. That's your job. Okay, God, I take that assignment on. I mean, if you're going to give it to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. But do we not do that? You know, you get up and one bad thing just leads to another, to another, to another, to another. And God's like, uh, that's just an emotion you're permitting. You weren't assigned to any of that. It's just trying to attach itself to you. You can kick that assignment and you can tell it that it, you don't have a permit to reside here and move on. Or we say, don't mess with her. She's, uh, she has a bad disposition. Uh, let me ask a question. Is a disposition something we have? Like, like a bad mood is a cold or a flu. Are we victims of the emotional bacteria of the season? I mean, I've been around people, though. Just going to be in for real. I've been around people who have been in terrible moods, and they will change the atmosphere of where they are. And it is not fun. And I don't want to catch that. So I'm like, look, it's cool and all. You want to be like that, but I don't. So you can uh, either change it or move on for today. Because I don't want to be a part of that. You can sit and sulk as a victim of what's going on in here, or you can get up and be the victor of who you are right here. I don't want to be a victim of right here. We act like our thoughts are just a choice of how we respond. Uh, like, like we just like, you know, can do whatever we want because it's no big deal. But our assignment is to protect the boat and refuse entrance to trashy thoughts. The minute they appear on the dock, we go into action by saying this heart belongs to God. We declare war and you are not getting on board until you change your allegiance. Selfishness, 
back up. Envy, get lost. Find yourself another boat. Anger, you aren't allowed on this ship. And that makes me think of the scripture that says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, blown, blown around like the winds and the waves of the sea. It's serious to capture your thoughts. When you protect your thoughts and say no to the distractions, you enhance, I love this, when you say no to the distractions, you enhance your attraction to the Spirit of God. When you say no to the distractions, you enhance your attraction and will be drawn more and more to the Spirit of God in you as the bride of Christ. Why don't you stand with me today? I want to challenge you with just, God told me to just leave a few questions for you today that just to ask you, and I want you to ponder them as you leave. And I know some of you can look and be like, well, I'm not married, or I'm younger, or I'm this, or... Let me tell you what, but if you've ever experienced love of Jesus Christ, you'll know what it's like. You'll know the true reality of one day to be married or if you've ever been in a thing. The bride isn't so much about just literal only people who have ever been in love and married. It's, it's literally about knowing the true love of Jesus Christ and setting that foundation for your life. And God said that as the bride of Christ, if you're a passionate bride, you will need to ask yourselves these questions. Number one, do I regard God and his word? Do I regard God and his word? Do I value his opinion? Number two, am I dedicated to him? Am I committed, loyal, supportive to his will? That's the first kind of dedicated. And am I dedicated to him by saying, have I chosen to be set apart for his purpose and called by his name? Or do I try to manipulate his will to mine? Number three, do I give my relationship with God the energy it takes to keep it burning? Do I put in the work or do I expect him to do all of it for me? Number four, do I protect what I have or leave my heart defenseless and open to attack? Number five, am I proud to be my beloved's or do I hide his love or my love for him? Am I proud or am I ashamed? Number six, Am I focused on him more than anything else? Does he get all of my attention? And number seven, do my thoughts line up with him or am I playing the victim to the thoughts that I allow? Do my thoughts line up with him or do I play the victim to the thoughts that I allow? And I want everybody to bow their heads this morning. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And I believe that this is a challenge to you as, as who you are as a Christian to say, do I truly represent the passionate bride and have I lost my passion? 
Have I lost my desire and my drive and my dedication to him? Have I lost my zeal and my enthusiasm? Am I ashamed to even walk around and be excited for him? I think God wants to challenge us that, you know, last week, and if you didn't get to watch it, I encourage you to go back and watch about the cold-footed bride because you're going to be one or the other. You're either going to walk down knowing that you're focusing on God or you're going to have your head turned around constantly looking back to the desires of your heart for what you want. And so today, as we pray, I just want to ask, first of all, in this room, is there anyone in this room that knows that they need to give their life to Jesus Christ? If it's you in this room, just raise your hand. If you know that you have not really, truly surrendered to be passionate for God, if you know that you've not really said, you know, God, maybe I did before give my heart to you, but I've not been real passionate and I've lost my enthusiasm for you. Anybody else in this room? Pastor Sam, if you see, Pastor Sam and Haley, if you see um, hands raised around the room right at this minute, I'm going to ask that you guys would go and pray with them. Um, If you just look around for ones that are raising their hand right at this moment, I'm going to ask that you would go separately and go pray with them um, and that you would pray the prayer with them of salvation. And I don't care how long it takes. Take your moment. Take your time. And ask God to just work in you today. Um, And those of you who have raised your hand, Keep it up just for a second. Raise your hand just for one more second so they can see who you are. And I ask that you don't move until they come to you. That you don't move until they come to you because God wants to do something in you. And as you're there, realize the surrender that it has in asking Jesus to come into your heart and give you passion for him. And if you're in this room, I want to ask you as well, if you've already dedicated your life to Christ, once before, but maybe you just lost your passion. Anybody in this room today know that they probably lost their passion to be that passionate bride for Jesus Christ? If you're in this room, raise your hand. Say, you know what? I'm not that I meant to. I just got kind of caught up in the way things are, and I let my thoughts keep me captive to things. Just for another moment, anybody else in this room know that, hey, you know what? I, I know I've said I love the Lord, but Right now, I've just not, I've not fully been giving him all that I am. Miss Jackie, Pastor Debbie, can you see the hands that are raised around? And I'm going to see if, would you personally please go to them and pray for them? Um, Keep your hands up, those of you that are in here that know you've lost your passion just for a moment. That you've just lost your passion for a second. Sally, if you'd like to go ahead and go pray. Susan, if you see anybody that needs prayer as well right at this minute. We're going to give them a minute. Okay, is it all right to, to keep just a minute for God to do what he wants to do in this room? Because God's personal. He's personal. If you've lost your passion... If you've lost your passion...
Susan, there's a young lady back in the back row that needs to be prayed for over on the right, please. Miss Haley, if you could go with Susan and pray for her um, as well, I'd appreciate that. You know what's funny is I didn't call an altar call where you just came up and did. I felt like God wanted to be personal to you where you are because sometimes I think we feel like, you know, God doesn't want to meet us right where we are. But what's crazy about it, God will meet you right where you are. But this is the fact of it. I said it last week and I'll say it again. No bride comes down the aisle in her regular street clothes. She changes for the occasion. And God is asking us that once I meet you there and you know that you're mine and I'm yours, then let's change for the occasion. And continually and every day, he'll come in and change you. I'm going to pray over all of us and we can get going. And I want you to just challenge yourself every day when you get up. Am I dressing for God? Am I, am I dedicated to him? Do I give him my passion, my energy, and my thoughts? Does he have every bit of me? Heavenly Father, we pray today that you would just be over the whole room. God, that as the bride of Christ and even over the air, those of you that are asking for salvation in your homes right now, we pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that you would give your life to him, that you would say, Dear Jesus, I ask that you forgive my sins, that you come into my heart, that you be the Lord of my life, and that I would be passionate for you. And if you are one that has lost your passion, and maybe you dedicated your life to Jesus Christ before, all you have to do is just say, God, forgive me for losing my sight of you. Help me refocus on you and put me on track. God, I pray for everyone else in this room that we on a daily basis would be a bride that exemplifies who you are and whose we are. That our actions would be replicative of what we are in our words, God, and what we say we are. I thank you, God, for all you're doing in us. And I pray, God, that we wouldn't lose our passion for you. But, God, we would only gain it and that we would work every day at valuing you and holding you in high regard to your will and your way for our lives. And God, I pray that we would truly take seriously the bride wars that are happening right now, not only personally, but corporately in the world today for those who need to come to know you and are not dressing like the bride, God. I pray, God, that you would touch hearts and give us a passion to reach those. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for teaching the generations and the call you've given us to as the youth and the children. May they know, God, who they are as the bride of Christ as well. Because if we're the bride, it's the time we act like it. We take every thought prisoner. For we are not a victim, but we're a victor in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. If you're still praying or praying with one, we're, I'm going to continue to ask you to do so. But I want to remind you to just be encouraged that it takes work every day and, and when you fail you just get back up and you keep going and I'm just going to tell you just like that even with church just keep coming back just keep getting connected stay focused and allow God to do in you what he wants to it's his will not yours and we just thank you for coming we can't wait to see you next